one shot at a time. Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, did we have a throwback for the ages. Rory and Ricky going battling down the stretch. Uh, new blood, Colin Morikawa putting his name in the mix. Just an absolute fiery start uh, that no one got to see because of piss poor coverage. We'll dive into that side of things as well. That seems like a broken record at this point. Um, golf Twitter went nuts because it's a broken record for all of us golf fans at this point, Dante. But it was fun to see Rory and Ricky back, man. I, the the guys of the early 2000 and teens teeing it up and actually having contending. Ricky looked like an old self early and often. The swing looks like old Ricky. Uh, Rory's got a newfound confidence after the Ryder Cup. Uh, boy, it's good for golf, man. It was a fun weekend to watch golf. Yeah, it was almost like you said, you know, a blast from the past, like you said. I at this point, you probably could have had Ricky rolling out in like an all green hat, you know, head to toe outfit and long hair. That's how damn good it was. I mean, I tell you, it was... we posted we posted something early in the weekend when he was contending, even before Sunday um, of his like get up, right? Like his all orange, the flamboyant colors. I know he wore orange pants, but I think Ricky Fowler missed a prime opportunity to come back out in all orange and really bring out the glory days. That would have been awesome. I, I think he needs to do that. He needs to either just let the hair like rage and flow or just come back in just like solid outfits of just one color. Just get that kind of like Ricky swagger back that all the kids love to you know, look up to him because I think, you know, you go 10 years ago, I mean, that was, he was killing it. He was just out there, you know, constantly in the mix, like constantly top 10. And, you know, that after watching that, you know, some highlights and some of the round Sunday, like, that's what basically we saw. It was good to see. It was good. You can't just have like Ricky Fowler, who's constantly in the limelight and he's such a fan favorite, especially with the kids coming up to just fall off the map and then disappear. You know, he wasn't going to let that happen. And I think this was a good confidence booster for him to get things rolling again. I think you're right. And when you speak of, you know, getting things rolling, when you look at Ricky Fowler's past, where he really puts himself in the mix is putting. And he was top three in putting statistics all week long, which I think is a massive factor for him if he's going to get back into winner circle. Um, and, and let alone the putting, I just think it was great to see his ball striking take it to a top notch. His irons were impeccable all week. And if you look at guys that, you know, can really take it low and go win, you look at a Colin Morikawa who almost stole the show from the old guys on Sunday going eight under through his first 11. Um, you got to be an incredible iron striker these days to really get inside the winner circle. And Ricky had that again all week long, which I think has been the missing component. Um kind of throughout his career it's just never been there steadily it was nice to see that back in form too and i think you mentioned the flatter kind of offset swing looks like old old ricky fowler again it it did i know i know he said he was uh working with some coaches and taking his swing to be a little bit more upright but it wasn't and i've seen it like you can go back and see some clips when he was really struggling and he made some equipment changes and i know he went he had those like specialized Ricky Rev 33 irons that he actually doesn't even have in the bag. And when he was kind of going through that whole process, it just, that's where he 
basically fell off the map a little bit, fell off the radar and mm-hmm. kind of stepped away from, you know, the spotlight. And then all of a sudden he comes back and plays. I'm watching it and I'm sitting there thinking, damn, that's, that's old Ricky swing. That's the swing that if you were to take a picture and just basically kind of like black it out, black and white and just have nobody. And you see that finish that, at the backswing and it just paused you know 100 percent that's ricky fowler and it seemed that he had that and so it was exciting to see that back because i think that's the ricky we all know and love and i think he had to basically realize that himself yeah and i think when you talk about realizing it himself that was a reason we saw rory up there i think he talked about it pretty candidly after he won um of just realizing like hey i don't really have to go searching for as much of the game as i thought i did um, I can kind of just play Rory McIlroy golf. And I think he realized a huge stepping stone and hopefully a, a turning point in what's been a, a ho-hum last couple years for Rory McIlroy after this past Ryder Cup when he went out and got that singles win. You could tell the emotional response he gave in this after the singles match. There was some deep, deep meanings in that in that win other than just getting a win for the Ryder Cup. He found a lot about himself on that Sunday singles And he was very candid about talking about that after the Sunday win too. I think um, the world could be in a lot of trouble if Roy McIlroy is onto something here going into 2022. You think they've come to a realization that they're, they're not the young guys on tour anymore. They don't have to prove anything. They know who they are and they realize that to the fact that I'm Roy McIlroy. I'm just going to go out and everybody knows who I am and they know what I'm capable of doing. I'm just going to go out there and win now. And I think to me, even with like Ricky's case, that's what it seems. It's the, I think it's, it's the changing of the guard, right? I think they realize the guys like Colin Morikawa that, that that Rory and Ricky used to be, um, they aren't those guys anymore. And I think instead of chasing that, you know, what I would call just day in and day out hustle of being a young gun, trying to prove yourself on tour, trying to make, you know, a name for yourself. I think acceptance. I think Ricky's finally realizing it. It probably took him a little longer than most to to come over that hump. Uh, and then Rory, obviously, he talked about that exact thing. I think he's coming t- into himself at the stage he's at in his career. I think if you look at other guys that were in the same team room as Rory McIlroy at the Ryder Cup, Lee Westwood and Paul Casey are perfect examples of that. Even Sergio Garcia. I think Sergio Garcia came into his own once he had his daughter. I think that changed his life completely flip upside down. Um, But you look at the guys that he was even in the team room with, and I think that might be a lot too, where Rory McIlroy got a lot of that, maybe even advice. Maybe he had those conversations that we weren't privy to, but something changed with Rory over that Ryder Cup weekend. And I think he's finally realizing that, hey, listen, I'm on the second half of my career now. And I need to start appreciating the opportunities I get, but I also need to appreciate that I am Roy McElroy and I can get the damn thing done without really having to go search for it. I've got it inside me. And what blows my mind too. And what's crazy is the fact that these guys aren't even in their mid thirties yet. They're early thirties. What makes me feel, what makes me feel a whole lot better is if these guys are still out there searching for it, you know what? I don't feel all that bad about searching for it myself either, because you look at these guys that have had these storied careers, right? And this is, you know, this goes full circle and and we could 
bring Tiger talk into this or even Jack Nicholas talk or Arnold Palmer, but this is what makes the greats so incredible. Rory McIlroy at his age just got win 20, right? 62 wins behind Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods had a 2000 to 2001 career where he got 23 wins in one year. Let that sink in. Jeez. Let that sink in. So, I mean, it's just a, a lot of perspective. I think when Rory first came onto the scene, there was all this talk about, you know, Tiger coming 2.0. And I, and I think he probably put a lot of that pressure on himself too, that he's finally starting to realize, listen, I'm going to have an all-time great career. Will I ever meet and match Tiger Woods' numbers? Probably not. And I think that might have been what some of these guys like Ricky and like Rory kind of struggled with when they weren't finding the winner circle as much. Yeah, and we've, t- we've discussed this off camera too as well the other day. And you kind of have to think 20 wins is, is a crap, lot of, crap ton of uh, wins, right? Everybody compares himself to Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods and, and Jack Nicholas. I mean, they're absolute greats. I don't think anybody's going to end up, you know, coming close to that or even surpassing that ever. 20 wins is huge. Not many can do that. And with the field that there is today, it's so big and it's just anybody can win. You got to kind of, we've had the discussion. I want to see the statistic of take, and I know it's going to be very difficult because you kind of like trump that aspect of, of what I was trying to say, but what would be like an average tour career win? What would be the average number of wins for a PGA tour career? Obviously, that fluctuates depending on person and you know who they are and what considers a career. But mm-hmm. you got to think if you were to just kind of simplify it and take a step back and think that if there was a career average of wins throughout their careers, what would that be? Like, what would that number be? And 20 wins is like you said, is that already gets you into the hall of fame. It gets you top 50 of all time. Rory McIlroy was well, already in top 50 of all time, not just, of current pros playing or of pros that have played on, you know, this tour, that tour of all time, just of all time, of all time, which is incredible. And then you look at the guys that are on this list, you know, down around the 18, 19 range, you've got Nick price. You've got Ernie Els, You've got Ben Crenshaw. You've got Tom kite. You've got Jim Furyk, Curtis strange. I mean, you've got names on there that are first ballot hall of famers. No questions asked like legends in the game. And then you've got a lot of guys that are still playing. You've got Roy McElroy. Uh, as we move up the list here, Dustin Johnson, you've got VJ Singh, who still tees it up every now and then that's at 34 wins. Um, you've got Phil Mickelson who's up on that list. And then obviously Tiger Woods kind of top of it all, but it's pretty incredible that there's a good many guys um, that are still playing that are inside that top 50 list. And boy, if you look just outside of that top 50 list at like 14, 15 wins, there's a ton of guys that are still playing right now um, that are still in their prime that are right kind of on that cusp. So, um, but yeah, I mean, all time great, man. Top 50, 17 wins right now gets you inside the top 50 of all time and wins list on the PGA tour. Which can, I mean, how many times, what, what's the average uh, tournaments these guys play? Well, that's it. Right. And like it, it fluctuates you obviously, know? but there's incentives to now play at least 15 a year, but 
I mean, you talk all the time. If you, if you really listen to the conversations being had out there on tour to just your everyday, not your top 10, not your top 15 players in the world, but your top hundred, right? Top 125 get their card back. But your top 100, if they win once a year and have a couple top fives, damn good year. Damn good year. year. And then and then you're talking about guys that they're they're getting their goal is five plus wins a year. Like JT, you, JT writes his list out in the notes on his phone and posts them every year, which I think is really cool to see the expectations that these top world players are setting. He's talking about a couple wins a year. He's talking about stroke averages that are top five in the world, right? Um, that's that's legend stuff. That's Hall of Fame stuff right there. I mean, one one win a year, and if you average 10 to 15 years on tour, you're, you're cracking that top 50 list. No-brainer. No-brainer. And I mean, even if you play 15 to 20 events, you have a good shot at winning, and you, you know, you're – your day's going to come for all these guys are going to get their wins. And, and that's what I think the craziest part of of golf is and where we're in such a great spot is the fact that there are, I think you said there's a statistic now where basically almost 25 to was it 25% of the guys that are actually in the field of like 120 some players have a great chance of winning. Mm -hmm. It's not the tiger days where you're going and it's tiger and a couple other guys that are probably going to walk out you know, top taking home the trophy and going home with the win. Anybody can win it these days. And I think that's, what's great. Well, and you want to know why, and I, and I got to give kudos where kudos is given before we absolutely tear apart the PGA tour for their coverage. I got to give kudos to the, to, to their developmental tours, the way they've built up, not only the corn Ferry tour, but the for me tour, the Latin America tour, Canadian tour, some of these even developmental tours that have no, you know, affiliation with the pga tour like the cactus tour out in arizona uh the the g pro tour down in the florida um even a couple of the other tours that just kind of fall in the ranks there some of these tours and a lot of these guys that are putting on events are going 24 25 26 under um these 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 guys are getting conditioned to go so low that when they get out there on the pga tour that that's just that's what their expectations are I mean, it's fun to really see the amount of talent that is surrounding the lower tours, let alone the guys that actually go and get their card. Right. <laughs> it's crazy because we talk about it all the time. Like you said, winning, you go out and shoot 25 under for the weekend or, you know, for your event and you walk home in eighth place. It just doesn't make any sense. It, it gives me, it gives me so much, it gives me so much like, uh, admiration for the guys that are out there continually doing it week in and week out. Uh, we follow a lot of them on our social media page and just to watch them have such a like go getter attitude too. like these guys are not winning events every week. They're not winning events every year. Some guys go a couple years without winning events and then they go on a hot streak. Right. But like the perseverance, these lower, uh, developmental tour pros have to just continually go out and chase the dream uh, is incredible. And it's one of the greatest things about the game of golf as a whole. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I mean, you put this example in the place, the guy goes out, shoots 25 under for the weekend and the guy beats him at 26, 20, 27. I mean, you can't put your head down and be in the dumps that you didn't win. I mean, you had a hell of a week. 
and you can't knock that down for yourself. You, I mean, these guys are just out there having a good time. They're like, oh, I'm playing golf, but I want to win. It's this mindset where they, they can balance the two as I'm going to go out and I'm going to enjoy every aspect of this. And then also a flip of the switch or at the same time, knowing I want to destroy everybody I'm playing against and walk out and win because I want to get to the PGA tour. It's a great mental sure. mindset to have. Now, now when they get to the PGA tour, we might not be able to watch them play golf on the PGA no, tour, because... but at least they'll be there, you know, and the PGA tour can update us every now and then on how people are playing. Um, we saw it again this week, and, and this is, <laughs> we started the podcast in November of 2019. One of our first blogs, you guys can go to our website right now and check it out. It is still on our website, www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Go to the blog section. You will find us absolutely just fuming about golf channel coverage and the gap that always exists where we just don't get to watch the leaders play golf for at least six holes, sometimes nine, sometimes 12. Like it, it varies so much. And this is an ongoing theme for the last year and a half, two years. Um, but this caught more headlines, I think, than most this past week at the CJ Cup because you had Rory and Ricky teeing it up in the final pairing, right? Like it was just probably one of the most noteworthy final pairings. Um, to go out in the last couple of weeks other than the Ryder cup. And you know what? The funny thing about that too, is all the social media, all the PGA tour social medias that basically push all this content and media coverage. We're talking and hyping up that it's Ricky and Rory going into the final battle. We haven't seen this in a while. It feels like a decade ago. We're going back decades. Like you said before. And the next thing you know, you, you turn it on, football's on, can't watch that on on the coverage because, you know, football, obviously, you know, is America's pretty much sport. And then you go, you even go on the golf channel, and next thing you know, they got the PGA Champions Tour playing. And you're sitting there thinking, what the hell is going on? And then, you know, NFL, America's sport, that take takes precedent over everything. And then you go on the, the only channel that – specifies and is particular with golf the golf channel and you turn that on it's the pga tour champions event and you can't even get the event that they've been promoting all week so shout out to no laying up i I know a lot of folks follow them uh their twitter was absolutely hilarious uh going sunday afternoon um they basically started out the day by saying in nbc's defense there's no way they could have predicted that there's a big ticket final pairing weight checks list limited field big money event 25 of the top 30 in the world oh it's like nbc knew that no matter who was playing in this event there was going to be a high profile pairing most likely 99 out of 100 times in this final pairing um and they completely dropped the ball and then they not only completely dropped the ball but they didn't even post highlights throughout most of the front nine we didn't see more than like two shots of Colin Morikawa's eight under through 11 until the TV coverage picked up on hole 12. Um, we miss Rory stuffing it early. We miss Ricky stuffing it on the second hole to two feet early. 
Um, they made a joke. They said, don't worry, we'll just watch the entire round on Shot Tracker because that's the best coverage we've got. Um, if everyone's notoriously familiar with Shot Tracker, that thing lags behind and isn't always the that best is either. Terrible. Um, Dude, I've gone on to that and the guy's six holes in and there's no update from hole one. But so that's what we were stuck with. As golf fans who want to watch golf, especially Rory and Ricky going at it down the stretch, Morikawa going out in 29, um, we saw none of it. We literally saw none of it other than maybe two or three shots from that entire group um, through the front nine, which I think just has golf coverage, right? Like we got to do better. We, we just got to oh. do better. And the best too. You got to love this too. Again, Hats off to no laying up. Champ store going long. Got a stream online. Greeted with this on Golf Channel website. And I've seen this multiple times. Every time I'm trying to go and stream and see it online, golf coverage will begin shortly. And it's 45 minutes later. You get, it, comes about, it comes on. You watch a couple putts. Maybe someone uh, <laughs> tee off on a hole. Next thing you know, they go to a commercial break. And then that lags. And then it goes back to the coverage will begin shortly. I mean, you've got to be kidding. Coverage will begin shortly, Paige. It's just cringe. It hurts your heart because you know that when it comes back, it's never going to be truly live. Then it'll skip no. to the live. And then your coverage is all messed up. Every time that page comes up for you, you might as well just go out of the app, go back into it because it's going to be screwed up the minute that page comes up. And what I think the biggest thing for me is, right, there used to be a time, and I subscribed to it, that it was PGA Tour Live, and you had your feature group coverage, you had uh, feature hole coverage, you had three or four different options to watch Saturday and Sunday rounds. Now it's only on NBC Sports, and it's not really even like PGA Tour Live anymore because you're getting the TV coverage. You're not getting feature hole coverage. You're not getting feature group coverage. You're just you're getting the TV coverage. It's not anything special anymore, but somehow we're still paying for it, which blows my mind. So at the end of the day, if you're giving me a pay for coverage, I want pay for results, right? Like I want pay for coverage or else I'm just going to go watch it on TV. I have no reason to stream it if I can just watch it on TV. And didn't PGA Tour Live kind of come out when everybody talked about how great the Masters coverage was? Wasn't it a few years ago where they really kind of dove in and said, you know, we're going to have a PGA Tour live and actually kind of mimic what mm -hmm. the Masters does in, in their streaming service every year when the Masters comes. Because, you, Like you said, you got the feature group, you got the live, you got the range, and you can be bebop and bounce around and get a great experience watching golf as if you were actually on the premises live being a patron. You know, and it just, oh, they just, they just drive me up. They suck. They flat out, you guys flat out suck when it comes to coverage. Do better. Yeah, I do think, I mean, we notoriously talk about this all the time too. The Masters coverage is just bar none the best. Uh, when, when you dial in the masters.com and have like 18 streaming options on different holes, different groups, different, you know, tee times, whatever, um, they are the epitome of what's good about golf coverage and the pga tour tried it um whether it was consolidation from 
the golf channel pull back into NBC headquarters. So the move from Orlando to Connecticut, and maybe they just kind of lost staff for PGA tour live. I don't know. Um, But it seems like that kind of lost its steam and just the coverage has just never been phenomenal, but the options have gone downhill as far as how to watch. I mean, we were stuck. We were literally stuck with nothing to watch the front nine of the CGA cup on a Sunday with either the coverage will resume shortly screen or champions tour. And when the champions tour concluded, we were still stuck because the coverage still didn't start on the CJ cup until like an hour after that. I don't know. It was the weirdest anomaly of just a blackout of golf coverage uh, for, for no explained reason. And and kind of going on the blackout side of things, you got to think even like the host sponsor, how pissed are they when they're throwing all this money into this for them to get coverage. And the next thing you know, they get, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour of the Sunday coverage. And you can't even, I'd be pissed if I'm dumping millions of dollars into an event and PGA tour does not cover it on TV. Millions and millions of dollars. You have to know is getting poured into this, whether it's BMW, whether it's Lexus, whether it's, um, you know, the CJ sponsorship in general for the CJ cup, um, whether it was the, I know they had a specific like food sponsor that was, uh, out at the CJ cup. That was all the rant and rave of this year. That was getting a lot of coverage, uh, on social media. They probably got more coverage on social media than they did during the actual broadcast because of the blackout. Um, it was just, it, it's, it blows my mind. Um, the PGA tour for years now, this isn't like a shock, right? Like this is, this is, has to be common knowledge to them at this point um, that whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, just going absolutely nuts, begging for more coverage. And it seems like all the PGA tour continues to do is limit coverage, limit golf TV, limit golf highlights. There, there was a point again, we're going back to golf Twitter here, but there was a point in the coverage where there was no TV time. There was no streaming and there was literally no highlights, but Rory and Ricky and Colin were all out on the course, all playing Colin was lighting it up and the PGA tour Twitter and Instagram had one post of a highlight from like hole two. And we were six yeah, or seven it, holes into it. And, and speaking of highlights, you know, we're talking about the PGA tour live. We're talking about the sponsorships. We're talking about all the coverage that's and the money that goes into these events. They show up a highlight and you said that you saw that there's still cameramen out there. So what are they filming? Yeah. I, I, I don't get it at this point. Like it's just, it's, it's so frustrating because I don't know. I just keep going back to this conversation. Your fan base is begging for it, literally begging for it. The NFL can figure out how to have red zone, right? They take you to the red zone of every single game ever on a Sunday when it, when it's, when a team's in scoring position, major league baseball, when, when they're in the last couple innings of a game are commercial free, right? They bring you the starting pitch, they bring you the national anthem to the starting pitch straight through all nine innings. Hockey brings you the national anthem straight through the whole game. That's two or three hours of coverage. What is the PGA Tour doing here? Like, you have your fan base begging to see all of this golf coverage, and you black out two and a half hours of it. It just makes no sense. You just said something right there that just kind of light bulb in my head or something needs to be done as to – golf channel 2.0 have a golf channel red zone right i mean think somebody about somebody it, somebody making a birdie out on the course 
I want to see it. I want I want five different think, screens of five different groups going on all at once. That's that's what I'm saying. Think think about what they can do when it comes to the red zone aspect of the NFL and how they took that viewing experience for every NFL fan and every fan of football fan. Mm-hmm. You can take that with golf and say it's it's basically taking golf uh, the, like the the Masters. Um, aspect of it and throwing it in and mixing it with red zone i mean you can just go shot for shot well and, and, and i'm saying this too zone. is there's going to be a need for it because golf betting is coming to a lot of states and not just golf betting like okay this person's going to win the golf tournament this week live like betting shot who's going to hit the fairway here will he hit will he miss the green will he make will he miss the putt like it golf betting can only go so far if the broadcast continues to lack the reason basically real-time NBA, real-time NFL, real-time baseball betting is because we can see the entire game. We can see everything happening before us. If golf broadcast doesn't really step up to the table, golf betting is going to kind of lack behind, I think. Yeah. It seems like they're going, they're taking a lot of steps backwards with all the advancements in technology that they can produce great viewing experience and mm-hmm. coverage and exposure that they're just not doing. And it just doesn't make any sense. And they continue to, to brag and talk about how they're, you know, they, they run this coverage and golf channel yet. They constantly get destroyed from every viewer possible, every fan base, every social media, like higher social media account that's trying to out, go out there watch golf just because they love golf and they want to see their, uh, the players playing. They, this is what they like to do. This is, you know, you, you grow up playing football, right? You grow up and then you don't make it, but you end up watching the NFL because you love football. You've played football. Mm-hmm. You you've been out there and you're, you're like, Oh, like I'm going to watch the best of the best for a sport. I I've played and used to play. It's the same way with us, with golf. We want to see the best of the best play and get around the course and, you're just going to not show that. Yeah. I mean, it just, it begs the question, like, what are they in it for? Right. Cause we, we, again, go back to this almost cliche at this point statement of grow the game, uh, grow the game here, grow the game there. And like, yeah, they're spending a lot of money in different avenues to grow the game outside of the ropes, but how about growing the fanhood? Cause that's where a lot of the growth of people picking up the game starts too. Um, and, and it just seems like, this, this beaten horse of coverage just continues to pop up and, and not for any good reasons. There hasn't been good limelight in, in golf coverage in ages. There wasn't even phenomenal coverage of the Ryder Cup, in all honesty. But that's, that's a whole other can of worms to open up. Yeah, we can go on and on about <laughs> their tip. I mean, you're right, though. I mean, and everybody's right. It's different when you get – one or two people saying, you know, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is terrible. Like, ah, okay. Okay. But when you have your entire fan base calling you out on the fact that your coverage sucks, you would think you would take a step back and look at that and realize, Oh wait, we really need to do something about that. It's really funny when you do look at golf Twitter and, and Instagram or whatever, like you said, when there's no one defending uh, a good coverage option, you kind of understand the bigger picture at hand. Um, so it's just, it's funny, man. I, I hope 
that if there's continual uprisings like this on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, I hope maybe somewhere down the line, the, the old heads that run PGA tour media at this point, start to wise up and, and maybe take some, you know, listening factors from their listenership because it does, it, it just, it, it creates the experience that not many people enjoy and that's holding the game at a greater good back. You know, people from across the world want to watch golf and they're just not able to right now in the full capacity that they're begging for. And there's so much that you can get coverage too. And golf is one of the sports you can have the best viewing experience. I've said it time and time again, everybody can watch something completely different. And if you can bring that to kind of the at home virtual world, I mean, you're going to be one of the best sports out there with viewing experience. Absolutely. No, I 100% agree. Um, I, I, I just, every time we say, man, I'm really sick of talking about this. I, here we are again, because it just continues to be something of precedence. So hopefully maybe in 2022, it'll change. And, you know, if not, we'll be back here talking about it again in the new year uh, when something like that pops up again. Um, but something else, guys, we're going to be doing in 2022 is headed out to the Palm Springs Golf Championship January 9th through the 12th. Uh, if you're interested in checking out more, fungolfvacations.com is running an early bird special. The link is in our bio at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Enjoy the Walk Pod there as well. Um, four days, five nights out in Palm Springs, California, playing the best of the best golf courses, PGA Stadium and Nicholas Course. If you're playing in the gross divisions, uh, if you're a high handicapper, still join the fun. You can play in the net divisions. You just won't be playing the stadium and Nicholas course. You'll be playing one of the other incredible golf courses out in Palm Springs at PGA West. Um, I think there's like 14 or 18 different golf courses out there, Dante. It's actually kind of wild how many, how many desert golf courses are in that valley. We talking golf courses just in general. We talking off of that, the PGA West property. In general. Okay. I was like, damn. I was like, wouldn't that trump the Pinehurst there, basically? It, I mean, don't get me wrong. Between the public and private courses out at PGA West, um, there are quite the many golf courses. The only problem is a few of them are private. You can't get on um, as easily. But nonetheless, come out and join us in Palm Springs, guys. It's going to be an absolute blast. Um, if you're like us in the Northeast, this is the getaway of all getaways because it gets us out of the cold weather. Uh, I think last yes. year I left the airport. It was like 20 degrees. I was more than happy to ditch the parka jacket and not put it on again until I came back to Philadelphia. That's a great feeling when you live in just a colder climate area where you get all four seasons and you can just step away for a week and get out there and get that sun back. Because, I mean, we talked about it today in our area. It dropped down to in the morning. It was in the mid-40s, and we were freezing. And I think I texted you. I was like, I'm not ready for this. I am not ready for this at all. But I'm pumped. Um, I'm actually excited. I think speaking of courses, you said uh, – you know, all there's 14 courses out there. I don't know if this was part of the property, but you guys went and played a two-man event, and it looked like, do you remember the name of the course where it kind of seemed like it was just tucked in the mountains? Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about? It was PGA uh, PGA West Mountain Course was what it was. Okay. Um, they just took over that property last year. Uh, it used to be just PGA West, or it used to be just be La Quinta Country Club. 
Uh, now it's owned by PJ West and like the PJ West conglomerate. Um, it is, dude. Every every hole is just cut on the side of the desert mountains. Um, if you miss a fairway, you're basically playing from the mountains, which is incredible. I mean, it's just uh, it's we, one of those. We need ex- to make sure we get back out there on that one. It is, man. It's one of those experiences where it's just like otherworldly. Like you're looking around and thinking, golf course doesn't belong here. Like I'm in a desert. And then all of a sudden there you are, you're just playing on like the plushest of grass and and the greatest atmosphere, let alone the actual atmosphere of playing with a random partner who's there to have fun and just play golf all week with you. Um, It's one of the coolest experiences. And, And like we said, it's a week before the PGA tour stops out there and plays in the American express championship. So if you're in the gross division, you're literally playing. And especially this year, now that fans are allowed back, you're playing with the stands up at a PGA tour event, literally the week before pros will be there. It, it's, it's an event unlike anything else you can get. Dude, that's I'm pumped, man. I, I really can't wait. I keep thinking about it. Keep, keep counting down the days. It's going to be here sooner than we know it. Um, oh man, I, I'm pumped because I saw the videos I saw the pictures Dude, and I can't wait to just get away for a week and get the hell out of here. <laughs> get off the East Coast and, and get into some nice warm weather and some sunshine. Like we said, guys, go to www.fungolfvacations.com. Uh, if you want the early bird link, go to our Instagram at enjoy the walk pod, and you can find the link in our bio there. It'll get you $50 off the entry fee, um, as well as some stay and play packages too. So, uh, it is a little cheaper if you stay and play with a friend. So bring a friend out the stay and play package helps you do that. So go check it out guys. Fungolfvacations.com. Um, Dante, we, before we got on the podcast, we're talking about some college golf. We were reminiscing about our own college sports days. And it got us thinking there's a lot kind of moving and shaking, as I called it uh, in the college golf space right now, you've got John Daly's son playing out at Arkansas uh, and Arkansas has got such an incredible team that he's not even a starter on the men's top five Uh, women's golf. You've got incredible things happening, but let's stay on the men's side here for a second and just talk about kind of the climate in golf right now. Oklahoma, number one overall. Um, you've got teams like Pepperdine who just broke records two or three years ago when Sahith Tagala and a couple other big names were out there. You've got Arnold Palmer's alma mater, Wake Forest in the top 20. Tiger Woods' alma mater, Stanford. Uh, you were talking about kind of a trending uh, Instagram guy that's on the Stanford team right now. Um, there's a lot going on in college golf that's uh, kind of flying under the radar in the fall right now. Yeah, and I think that all comes down to the freaking coverage again. Um, <laughs> I know we can go down that rabbit hole, but it it, it really is. But it college golf just seems to be booming, and you know they they do they do put it on TV, they do coverage it. It's just they don't promote it, mm-hmm. um, which which is pretty frustrating. And and you know shout out to Milky Golf because anytime I turn around, they're the ones that are kind of like the the leads and the go-tos to find out what the hell is going on in the college realm. And it's just, I love watching it because I mean, it goes back to being the college days. I know, you know, you and I reminisce all about our times at college. I mean, you played, you played golf. So, you know, it was also individual and, and team. And, you know, I played the cross. So I I know the team aspect of it, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you just, you just have this bond with your brothers, right? You just, 
you just it's like this unwritten fraternity with the sport that you play and you, you just reminisce and i love watching college golf um just for that fact i mean it just brings back some old good memories but i mean i know golf's a little bit on the a little bit different when it comes to uh i guess you can say i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong but playing in these competitions because you have to worry about yourself but also worry about the team depending on if you're playing just individually or even playing on you know, as you're the top five where your score counts for your team. Yeah. I think that's just one of the coolest parts about golf in general, men's or women's that is a lot different than other sports. You're competing for that team title at every time you tee it up pretty much, unless it's invitationals or whatever. But then on the backside of that, you're, you're also competing for individual titles. Every college event has a team title and an individual title. That's just how it's broken down for golf. So it's really cool is like, yeah, you know, you obviously want to do well for yourself, but you also are playing for the the team on, you know, the logo on your chest too, which is really cool. Um, it's an interesting dynamic that just doesn't happen uh, in a lot of other sports. And I think is one of the probably most unique things about college golf in general is there's always a team and an individual winner. Um, you don't find that in many other sports. No, you don't. That's what's cool about it. And it's just, Man, just watching some of these guys play, especially, and that's a crazy thing when they had the, um, I think it was the tournament down south. I forget the name of it, and Arkansas was playing. And I said, and I thought that they were, you know, college golf was on TV. I said, oh shoot, I should uh, turn on the tube and you know get to watching, and mainly because I wanted to see if John Daly, the seconds out there, you know, mm-hmm. slinging the driver. I didn't catch a damn thing. And it turns out that he didn't even make like the top five for, for his team. I know he did play individually, but it just goes to show how good these kids are. It is man. When you've got a, a tour pro son, that's not even making the starting five. Um, there's just an incredible amount of talent out there. I mean, we, we talked about it just a little earlier in the podcast, how many pros there are out there with so much talent. It's because the feeder system of the NCAA right now is just so so chock full of just incredible players. There's a lot of these kids that, I mean, we're seeing it already with like the Matthew Wolfs and the Victor Hovlins and the Colin Morikawas, even Patrick Cantley, when he came out of college at UCLA in 2011, 2012, he was a stud on the tour immediately. Like a lot of these kids and it's, it's becoming more and more frequent are just, they're, they're already living the tour life with these division one programs. They're they're They've got their trainers. They've got nutritionists. They've got plans set in place to basically make the transition from college to PGA tour, almost seamless. Um, which I think is the coolest part about a lot of the way these programs are starting to approach the way they're kind of almost quote unquote grooming these kids for the PGA tour or the LPGA tour on the women's side of things as we're going to get into here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, man, exciting times for the, these these programs. I mean, you're looking at most of these programs, and they're averaging, you know, 68, 69, 70. That's their that's their team average. Uh, that that's balling. And to have four or five, six guys deep that can do that, that's that's something to be that's something to be kind of just like shocked at. To be honest with you, it it really is because it just it's just another like you said, tour to just, I like how you said it. It's like a feeder system. It's like a feeder tour. It's another developmental tour, basically mm-hmm. with, you know, the kids having the opportunity to get an, a, a higher degree, higher education. That's how I see it. Like you said, it's a, it's another feeder system to get them into 
the you know the corn fairy tour and stuff latin america tour the canadian tour or whatever tour out there to get that out to the pga tour i i think you're right at this point you if you're that good and you know you need to work your way up to get to the pga tour an, another stepping stone is to go collegiate mm-hmm. absolutely i mean and you're seeing it too where some of these folks were you know they're coming across the pond from england or australia or wherever and and they're they're basically making sure they play at least a year or two in NCAA golf before they go out on tour. They're not making the transition straight from, you know, their whatever developmental school they're in in Europe over to the United States on the PGA tour. They're, they're spending some time in these colleges. And I think it just goes to show that, especially from a golf standpoint, it's critical to get a couple years in of, of NCAA golf before you, you make the transition to the PGA or LPGA. Yeah, and I think like one person kind of comes to mind, I and mean, he kind of was like a, a little bit of a, a YouTube sensation prior. But you know, Aussie kid from Austa- uh, Australia, um, basically has the game and has the swing and has the skill. Um, most people probably know him, Carl Phillips. Kid's a stud. Uh, he's at Stanford now. Um, obviously, he's going to go pro the, uh, in the future. I mean, I think he, I think he's been in the states for a while. He, I think he even like went to high school. Um, I think he was Australian born, but you know, his father's from Australia and whatnot, and they came over. Uh, he, he's always filming like his rounds and throws up highlight uh, reels on YouTube. And you know, the kid is like, I've, I, it's crazy how I've come into golf, and I really learned my game from playing and kind of just watching YouTube, and that's how mm-hmm. I came into like all these YouTube greats. Uh, that we see kind of that have blown up over the past years. And Carl Phillips was one of them. And it was funny kind of seeing the kid grow up. <laughs> you watch grow, watch him grow up through YouTube, right? You know, I've seen him when he was just like this little kid. And now, you know, he's he's one of the top five. I think, I forget what year he is. He's either a freshman. So he might even be a junior. Um, and he's basically, you know, he he's a stick out there. I mean, it, it's crazy to see how, much he's developed and, and grown and matured on the golf side of things. And even as a person to where he's, he's always wanted to go to Stanford. I, I don't know if he's like a big tiger fan or whatnot. Um, but he said he always wanted to get a degree, but you know, damn well, he's going pro sooner than later. I, I love those kids that just stand out like that. Like, you know, the minute they step on campus, like intentions are PGA tour or bust. Um, and I think uh, for a lot of D1 athletes, it's pro or bust the minute they step on campus. And unfortunately, everyone can't make it out of college, but there's guys like that that do stand out and say, man, he, he, he's going to be a force to reckon with once he, once he turns pro. I mean, the shots that he hits and the, and the shit you hear that comes off the club face when he strikes the ball, it, it's just insane. I mean, kid lives and breathes golf, and he's going to continue – He'll, he'll die golfing. Well, there's um, <laughs> there's a woman on in the LPGA or not in the LPGA. She's going to be in the LPGA eventually um, if she keeps yep. it up as, as good as she is playing right now. But in the NCAA on the women's side of things, uh, a Stanford U.S. amateur, well. a U.S. amateur and U.S. junior champion uh, within the last year and a half has finally gotten to college, and she's putting her mark on the collegiate scene for the women's side of things. She's doing things that haven't been done since Lorena Ochoa did it 19 years ago. 
Um, if you remember, Lorena Ochoa was an Arizona Wildcat in 2001 to 2002. She started off seven for seven uh, in her NCAA career, um, finishing second in the Pac-10 championship and then winning again in the NCAA regional. So eight wins uh, in nine attempts is just an absolute incredible stat. But Rose Zhang, uh, out of that Stanford team in California, is trying to track Lorena Ochoa's record down. She's three for three, shooting a record-tying 16 under 197 at the Stanford Golf Club. Uh, in nine rounds, she shot par better eight times and is a collective 23 under par with a stroke average of 69.1. Um, this girl's on fire. Absolute on fire. It's going to definitely be a hot button for me. I'm like favoriting the page of Stanford women's golf and I'm tracking this through the next five, six, seven, eight events. I want to see her break this record. I think you get generational talents like this um, and you got to see it through. And I think it's just even more incredible that it's at Stanford out of all places. I'm speechless. I'm honestly speechless. It, it, it's awesome to see, you know, this, this is the stuff you want to see in golf. I mean, it's kind of like the it's like the tiger-esque storylines that you well, don't it, often see and she's she's making her way it gets it gets to be the point where you know you talk about generational greats the the women's side of the game has not had a a generational great pop up in that like gen z range yet and I think we might be starting to see that now, obviously casting a lot of expectations and hopes and dreams onto the shoulders of, of Rose Zhang, but it's, it's putting, she's putting the, you know, money where the mouth is per se. Um, I think it's so mature of her to even speak about the way that the things she learned, she finished third at the Augusta national women's amateur, um, She's talking about, you know, she says, I just think college is the place where I'll be able to mature, to play even better and shoot better scores than I have uh, before college and mature as a person in character and physique. So she's already talking about like wanting to do these things in college and ha not even talking about being a pro yet. It's incredible the way she talks about the transition she wants to make almost internally within herself and on the golf course while she's at college. I mean, one thing you right. Uh, one thing you said there that I think is, you know, she's going to be generational greatness is the fact that she wants to shoot better scores. Yep. When she's already, how many like three like on average three under par. She is on average, uh, yeah. I mean, sixty nine point one, so close to two to three under par. Um, and like I said, she's pretty much breaking records every time she goes out. For a 54-hole tournament, she was 16 under. That breaks the uh, single tournament scoring record at Stanford for women's golf. Um, I mean, just things that, like, probably you never expected to be broken um, were are already being broken, and she's only three tournaments in. She's three for three, and this is just her freshman year. Three for three. Um, she's doing generational greatness things, and she still strives to be better. Well, and, and it's pretty cool to hear the Stanford coaches talk about this as well. They've been around the program for a while. Both coaches have been around for almost two decades. Um, they said, this is the fun part. The last couple of days, we've really seen nice crowds come out to watch the Stanford women's golf team play. Several times people mentioning things around the area like this is the tiger effect. 
from people who were also here during the 1990s when Tiger played at Stanford. To have that vibe around the program is an absolute blast. Needless to say, it's a special time for Stanford women's golf. There's people that watched Tiger Woods play back in the day in the 90s and are basically equating that caliber of golf to what she's playing right now. That's that's remarkable. And not even just for Stanford golf. I think that, you know, this is great for just women's golf in general. And like you said, it just, it seems like there's just been a constant fight as they're just not getting that much coverage as the men's. And, you know, you have someone like Roseanne come into the play and now, like you said, you're getting old, old Stanford, like alums and, and viewers to come out and watch this. Like that, that's phenomenal. And, and it's great to see because again, like I love how everybody likes the long ball, but you can learn a lot more for your individual game for us regular, you know, AMs out there learning from the women's side of the game. Well, when you just look at her swing too, and, and you compared it to one in Lydia Ko, I think they had the same kind of body structure. They had the same like physique. They have the same tempo in the swing, which is just incredible. Um, you know, it, it, it begs the question um, if she goes on to have the collegiate career that Lorena Ochoa had now, Lorena Ochoa did not win an NCAA championship. If she goes on and wins an NCAA championship, like say a Tiger Woods did at Stanford back in the day, um, the hype is going to be real for, for women's golf. And I think she might pull a Tiger. And once she wins the NCAA, move on to the professional ranks, um, strike while the iron's hot, maybe not, not sure what her full intentions are. She seems like she's comfortable spending some time at college, which I, which I think is um, really mature of her to even say in the first place. So It'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously she's got one more tournament for the year in the Pac-12, and then the spring kind of starts the the more rampant schedule of more weekly tournaments and then getting to regionals and then ultimately the NCAA championship. Um, her team's stacked too. So even if, you know, she doesn't continue the individual prowess, they've got a great chance of, of winning the overall team for the women's side of things. So um Go bookmark the Stanford women's golf page, guys. It's going to be a fun journey to watch her play uh, the rest of the fall here and into the spring. So uh, exciting stuff out of NCAA women's golf as well. Definitely there, sir. I'm, a, I'm excited. I Again, I've said it before. Uh, anytime college golf is on, I try and just basically drop everything and turn on the TV. For sure. And we're golf nuts about it. So we'll try and keep you tuned in guys on our Twitter uh, and Instagram, but mostly Twitter when it comes to college golf, because a lot of the highlights for college golf come out via Twitter uh, first. And it's kind of the easiest way for us to share it. So go follow us at enjoy the walk pod on Twitter, uh, interact with us there. Let us know what you think about college golf as well. Um, Dante, one thing that has rolled out this year for putting as the, uh, as the decisions have been made to kind of do away with these green reading books, uh, the PJ tour is getting rid of them. A lot of high-end amateur events are getting rid of them as well um, is actually a product by our good friend, uh, Jeff Mussini out at slope grade. He debuted roll maps, which is basically a putt speed chart um, to help you and is legal for tournament play. It has been uh, basically passed by the USGA to be allowed inside uh, your yardage book at events and basically helps you with the help of uh, Aimpoint technology um, understand the length of your putt and the speed at which you should hit it. So Dante, I've seen 
not only Jeff obviously talk about the product, but a lot of folks been reposting this product over the last month, two months, once they finally understood how to use it and implement it. Um, it's shaving a lot of strokes off people's games and especially at those developmental tours, which we were talking about. Uh, I might have to get my hands on, on this just to kind of learn it over the winter. Uh, and like I said, I played a, probably my best putting rounds of the year uh, last weekend, and I didn't even have this in the bag. So watch out. Dalton Deerdorf could be a full new man by the time you see me out in Palm Springs. Oh, boy. You know, me holding the trophy at the end of the weekend. Hey, I don't want to uh, completely, you know, count my chickens before they hatch, but I do love the golf course out there at Palm Springs. And if we can get a good putter in my hand, uh, watch out. Now, there's some talented people out there at the Palm Springs Golf Championship. So I'm not quite sure if I can take down the, the defending champ, but I can at least putt better. Yeah, there's just to make sure there's no lakes on, on any of the course tracks, are there? Hey, well, that's, that's a just, different just conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, you're man. not. Make sure you bring a putter that can float. I'll bring the stability shaft. Don't you worry. But guys, okay. go check out Roll Maps at slopegrade.com. That's S-L-O-P-E-G-R-A-I-D-E.com slash products slash Roll Maps. Um, like I said, they do fit right into your um, into your green reading book or not your green reading book, but your yardage book. Um, and they are really simple to read. So you just use the length of the putt and either the slope elevation or stimp ready of the green and go from there. So go check it out, guys. I think it's a really simple product, um, a really kind of no nonsense product that's must have inside your yardage book if you're playing tournament golf. So uh, go check it out, guys. Uh, like I said, from our good friend out at uh, Slope Grade, Jeff Mosini. Um, so go check it out. He is kind of the guru when it comes to putt reading and, and, and green aficionado, I guess you could call him. He's a, he's a nut when it comes to, to helping people on the greens. And it's insane because I knew so many friends of mine, um, that are just head cases when it comes to the putter. I mean, these guys are scratched to like plus handicap, uh, excluding Dalton. We've already discussed that he's a head case when it comes to the putter, um, when it comes to, I mean, these guys can, I've seen these guys go out and shoot 74, 75s on a regular basis and they struggle when they get to the greens. And, and these guys can easily shoot under par if they just kind of got out of their head. And I think if they were to get roll maps in their head, into their hands, when they're out on the course, they, you'll see them dropping 68, 67s and, definitely i think one thing it just does is right like the reason personally i'm in my head all the time is indecision i think you know you can try and read a green as as good as you as good as you possibly can but at the end of the day if if a, a slight ounce of doubt creeps into your head of well maybe i shouldn't hit it that hard because i don't want a crazy five foot comebacker, right? Like I don't want it to slip away from me and then have a real tester coming back or vice versa do i hit not hit it too hard or hard enough and then left with a five footer still to go um there's a lot of indecision kind of taken out of the equation with roll maps so um incredibly cool product jeff's brain is just kind of a step above the rest so um go check it out guys um, if you like it leave him a review because i know it would mean the world to him uh, but if you like the podcast, leave us a review too. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. Um, if you've been a listener for a while, thank you for listening. Uh, continue to share via word of mouth. That's 
really how we grow. Um, share us on Instagram, share us on uh, Twitter, share us on LinkedIn. We're on there too. So go check us out everywhere, guys. Uh, www.enjoythewalkpod.com is where you can find all of our links, the latest podcasts, the latest merch. Uh, we are running the uh, birdies for the boobies all of October. So breast cancer awareness, 15% of all sales go to the American Cancer Society for breast cancer research. So go check that out, guys. Get your orders in while they last. When October's over, the line will be gone forever. So go check it out, www.enjoythewalkpod.com. That's it from us this week, Dante. Uh, I think we got to go out and uh, get some golf in this weekend. What do you say? I think we do. We are uh, we're running out of daylight and, and warm weather. The, the sad reality that it got dark at like yeah, 6.15 15 was, 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 was sad today. Was. Like it, was, it, it kind of put a damper on like, oh, damn. We, we, we're there. I went like, to, we're, uh, we're there this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. Before It's crazy, too, because it it's a blink of an eye, and you're kind of in denial right now. Um, I, think, I think we're kind of in, in denial a little bit because it's just been so damn warm mm-hmm. for the past couple, you know, six weeks. And all of a sudden, it's cold, and it's dark within seconds. And yeah. it was funny because I think it was 7 o'clock. I was coming back. I uh, went to over a good buddy of ours, uh, S. Putter, Steve Barry, um, basically our, our local uh, <laughs> club guru guy that I'm, I'm trying to pick his brain as much as possible when it comes to club building. He's a loft lie machine, so I want to get some, uh, some of my lie angles checked on some of my clubs and make sure that, you know, I'm not playing anything too upright. And lo and behold, it was too upright, so he was able to uh, bend it for me um flatten it out a little bit so but i was driving home and i think it was like seven o'clock maybe dark pitch black outside i said wow that's not good this is not good <laughs> so but sooner or later uh you know we got a couple months to just pound through and then it'll start getting start getting lighter yeah we're almost there and uh worst comes to worst we'll just have to hop on a plane and get out west a little sooner than expected so i think so All right, guys. Well, that's awesome. Appreciate you guys listening. As always, get out there, carry your clubs, and enjoy the walk. That's the stuff. One shot at a time.